following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, we are going through um, the Gospel of John here at Artisan. We've been doing this, as I said last week, for a few years now, off and on. We'll do four or five weeks at a time through this book of the Bible, and uh, then we'll move on to something else and come back to it later in the year, that kind of thing. We've been doing it for quite some time, and uh, we resumed this kind of section hike through John's Gospel last week. We'll do it uh, until the end of the month. And um, today's text is a really beautiful one, which I'm going to read to you and expound on for about three minutes. Hold me to that, because what comes after that will be so much better and so much more important But I actually think this sets the table for what is to come really well. And so, um, if you would like to look at this in the Bible as I read the text to you, you can use the Red Bibles. Uh, We're looking at John 13. And uh, in in those Bibles, you want to go to page 877. But know this, that um, for centuries and centuries and centuries of Christian life, when the church gathered together, Scripture was read at some length, by the way, much longer than I'll read today. And uh, people were not literate and, more importantly, didn't have any physical copies of the Bible. So always be okay just uh, listening to the words of Scripture if you're a person who hears well enough to do that. And um, that's, that's fine, too. So whatever works for you, though. We all learn and comprehend things in different ways. Here's the text. Remember now what happened last week. Judas had been identified as the one who would betray Jesus and had left the group. Right after that poignant moment, This is what happens. When he, meaning Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I'm with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, the text is officially supposed to go to verse 38, but we're going to stop right there. That, I think, is verse 34 or 35, and that's where I want to land for a minute. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By what will everyone know that we are Jesus' disciples (laughs) if we have love for one another? And it was, uh, this passage came just at the right time because I said to you before the pastoral prayer, I am just not seeing this as much as I want to see it. We have um, significant differences of opinion about some things, don't we? And there are differences of opinion about things that we think are the most important things possibly in in the world right now. Some of the political things, the reasons that we have difference of opinion is because we think it really, really matters. but we cannot let that tear us apart, right? 
let me appeal to you <laughs> that those friends of yours who are wrong about politics are not going to change their minds and become right about politics because you put a very cleverly worded comment on their Facebook status. So stop it. Honestly, I need to stop it myself. I'm about to get myself fired up. (laughs) I know that there are people who are wrong on the internet. I see them every day. Some of you are wrong on the internet. I love you, in spite of that fact. I hope you will love me when I am wrong on the internet. But I'm sorry to be so so doggedly specific about this, but, I mean, raise your hand if you have not, if you've not witnessed this problem in our culture right now. And if you raise your hand, it's because you are already off of Facebook. <laughs> right? We could have a meaningful discussion or even a debate about immigration. We're going to talk a lot about refugees in a minute. About war about religion, about abortion. About sexuality. About baptism. (laughs) We can and probably should have reasonable discussions about all those things. But what happens, especially on Facebook, is not a reasonable discussion about those things. It's pointless, it's purposeless, and it's ripping us apart. So stop it. Now, if you need to log out of Facebook and, and change your password to some string of characters that you don't remember and write it down on a little piece of paper in permanent ink and then put that piece of paper in, an, in a tray of water and put it in your freezer, if that's what you need to do to stop it, then do it. I think that might be what I need to do to stop it. I'm, because I'm a very sophisticated internet user, I also need to, to not let one password remember that new password when I set it and all those things. Right? So you've got to do the technical things right, possibly, too. I'm trying to be a little bit whimsical, but really, my friends, I want you to stop it. And I need you to, st- I need you to do whatever you need to do to stop it. All right. So I'm really torn because I, I have this, uh, like most pastors, kind of quasi-Messiah complex and think, well, the things that I say on Facebook are really important and they're changing people's hearts and minds. I can't possibly log out. Man. All right. Little children, a new commandment I give you. It's not actually a new commandment. I'm not quite sure why Jesus said it was new. It's certainly not to be new to us who have been following Jesus in some form or another for 2,000 years. But it feels like it's new, doesn't it? A new commandment to love one another. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. (laughs) It doesn't care who's wrong on the internet. And true love never fails. It never ends. Doesn't stop. And so let us not break fellowship with each other over these, even these very important things. Now do what you need to do to stay in Christian unity and to practice radical Christian love.
do what you need to do. I don't know what it is for you. I'm figuring out what it is for me. Let's, let's do it. Okay? Amen? Sermon over? Um, and now for the really good stuff. You know, uh, one of the things that we've all been um, arguing with each other about on Facebook is, is refugees and how the, how the church ought to respond. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing the, fu- the full range of it, um, just as I am with all kinds of other things. But here's what I want to say. And then we have some very special guests who are going to say some much more insightful and important and informed things. But here's what I want to say. Uh, politics may have created a problem in the world. But politics doesn't have to be the way we solve that problem. And politics doesn't have to be the thing that we gather around to solve that problem because that's just going to make us more angry at each other. Right? So regardless of what your political views are on immigration or refugee resettlement or executive orders or the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals or any of those things, regardless we have work to do together because the calling of God's people is to care for those who are suffering and those who are marginalized. And um, if I, I was talking to somebody during the passing of the peace and I realized, like, it's to our shame that we didn't care about refugees before it became a big political thing. And so I'm weirdly almost thankful for the, the, like the partisan... Um, poop storm that, that brought it to our attention more, more than it had been before because now, now at least we want to prove other people wrong and we'll care for that reason. But let me help you with some purity of motive. And I'm going to invite uh, two uh, folks who've been at Artisan with us for a while here, uh, David Howe and Hannah Vickner Howe, to come up. And they're going to uh, share some of their work. You know... Um, when this whole thing came about, I, th- I was sort of like lamenting, like, oh, I wish that there was somebody at Artisan who knew about this already, who was working with refugees already, because um, we need to be doing some work, and I, I don't want to just, like, try to create it myself. And then, um, through some odd uh, turn of events, uh, David and Hannah got connected to our social justice team, and the social justice team brought it to the leadership team's attention, and... Here we are, and they are with us today, and I'm so thankful to both of you for, um, for being here. I'm so thankful to you for what you do and for being able to share it with our congregation. So let's talk about this a little bit. Um, can you tell us, first of all, what it is that each of you do and, and where you do it, what your context is? So I'm an immigration attorney at the Legal Aid Society downtown. Um, I work with the refugee population in Rochester and also um, all, the, all aspects of non-citizens here and I'm an internal medicine doctor. I work at the Center for Refugee Health with uh, Tony Petruso um, down here, downtown here at Alexander and Monroe. Wonderful. So one thing I'm just realizing is that you have different volumes of voice. So in order to make um, our sound tech's life a little bit easier, I'm going to ask you to use this one and hold it nice and close to you, please. All right. So <coughs> thank you. Um, so... Tell me this. Um, why is it that you each decided to practice these careers in this type of setting? Because uh, presumably you could each have gone on to a different type of uh, work that would maybe be more lucrative or more prestigious or more whatever. And what is it that drew you to this? Is this, um, 
you know, and maybe in that answer you can talk about uh, how your faith kind of motivates you for this work. Yeah, that's great. And it's coming up now. Good. Okay. Um, I think that we're a little too old to be millennials, but um, it was important <laughs> that, our, that our work be impactful um, positively on our community in some way. Um, and so I think that that was kind of the initiating force into the jobs that we chose. Um, I'm a big fan of the underdog and sports teams and everything else. Um, and so as I was getting into the legal community um, and in law school and checking out different clinics, uh, it came to my attention that a really underserved population uh, was non-citizens. They still have um, rights and protections as visitors in our community and part of our community, and um, those weren't being as addressed or as advocated for in the legal world. Um, and so it was a fun niche for me to fill. Um, and it's been an incredible um, part of my faith walk um, as um, just kind of knowing visitors uh, to our community as part of our community and understanding, especially for the refugee populations, um, the trials and the depths of suffering that they've come through to be part of our community. Uh, and it's given me a fuller picture of, um, of what the kingdom's like. Um, after we finished residency, we spent uh, a little over two years in Nepal, and I worked in a rural hospital out there. And it was busy, it was exciting, and incredibly sad. I saw a lot of people die in my care simply because they were poor. And that kind of screwed us up. Mm. Um, and so when we came back here to America, we recognized our work as uh, lawyers and doctors and especially as Christians, um, was, it was justice work. That justice is something incredibly important to God and should be important to the church as well. And um, the Bible talks a lot about justice and some, some verses I'll, that have been inspirational to me. So um, the, Old, the Old Testament talks a lot about the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner. And very often those three are mentioned together. So this is the third in the sermon series, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so Deuteronomy 10.18 says, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Um, Leviticus 19 uh, is a little bit more specific. It says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Hmm. And then we think about the life of Jesus. And when Jesus was a baby, when he was very young, he fled as a refugee when Herod was killing all of the young Jewish boys because he was afraid of this king he was hearing about, and they, they were refugees to Egypt. And then we read in Matthew um, when Jesus is giving the parable of the goats, and uh, people are surprised. They say, Jesus says these things, and they say, when did we, when did we see you? When, where, where were you? And Jesus says uh, to the sheep, he says, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Hmm. And it, Hannah alluded this to, to this as well. You know, we, 
you know, we, I don't want to come across as do-gutters um, because we benefit greatly from our work as well. The refugees mm-hmm. that we work with every day are incredibly resilient people. We use this term called vicarious resilience. And some of the people that I interact with, they've had family members uh, killed in front of them. Um, They've been raped, they've been tortured, and they're disabled because of these things now. And they carry on. And um, many of them are, are praising God along the way. And it makes my bad day not seem quite so bad when I see how they're, how they're succeeding. Sure. So can you talk a little bit about the local organization that you are uh, working with in Rochester and about how um, recent political events have affected that organization? I guess I can talk about the um, changes in immigration policy. Um, there, uh, the one that's kind of got everybody fired up um, is the order that um, has restricted the amount of refugees that America is uh, willing to accept. It's almost cut in half um, from 110,000 to 50,000. Um, of that 50,000, about 30,000 are already here. So um, as a nation, we're only going to welcome 20,000 less or more. Um, The policy also put restrictions on the type of refugees that could come um, and just kind of indefinitely put a a pause on it. And that's the thing that's kind of working its way through the courts. Um, But as of right now, uh, it's put a a big restraint on um, the refugees that are coming and um, the agencies that help resettle the refugees. So the main agency here in Rochester is Catholic Family Center. So every refugee who comes here to Rochester is resettled through Catholic Family Center. They are the hub of refugee work here in Rochester. And they do, they do a lot of stuff from, you know, obviously they meet them at the airport. They, found, they find housing, um, transportation to medical appointments, uh, using the bus system. Um, connecting them to programs for refugees to learn English, uh, insurance and benefits issues, um, employment preparation, uh, assistance with obtain, obtaining green cards and citizenship. Um, so that is, the, that is the hub organization. And they are, um, their, their responsibility towards refugees is for their first 90 days of arrival here in Rochester. Um, but their involvement tends to often extend uh, months and and years beyond that. Hmm. And how, uh, how are they funded? So newly arriving refugees is where almost all of their funding comes from. So um, when they're taking care of a refugee who's been here for six years, they're using money from somebody who arrived a month ago in order to, in order to fund um, what the work that they're doing with that individual. So as we're talking about decreased numbers, um, this, is, this, this is huge for Catholic Family Center and their work. As talking to Lisa Hoyt, who is the, the director of the refugee program there, and things are dismal for them mm-hmm. right now. They, they currently have seven and a half case managers. They're going down to one and a half case managers. Um, and, you know, some of them are just dealing with newly arrived refugees. A lot of their work, those with people who have been here beyond that 90-day window. Mm-hmm. And in addition to those case managers, the drivers, their per diem people who get them to medical appointments and other things, they're, they're going to be some of the first to lose their positions as well. 
Because the federal funding has dried up. Um, right, because we're saying, sorry, no more new right. refugees. Exactly. Hmm. So we'll talk more about money in a minute, um, but you both are on the ground working with, um, with people who are directly affected by this. And whenever we do this kind of conversation in Artisan, um, my, my phone starts buzzing, right? Even as I'm standing here, my phone is buzzing. Like, what can we do? How can we be part of this? Like, so can you tell us what are some practical things that people at Artisan, um, and maybe their friends who are not part of Artisan but who care and want, something, want to know something that they can do, what are some practical ways that we can be involved in helping serve uh, refugees in Rochester? So when we were in touch with the social justice team earlier in this week, we spoke about um, Asbury Methodist, another congregation in our community, um, is hosting a dinner, and they've invited um, our agencies and Catholic Family Centers um, and some of the other volunteer agencies that are working with refugees, and it's kind of meant to be a, um, a volunteerism fair so that everybody that is on the ground um, and that can use um, hands and, and feet and people and vehicles, um, you have an op opportunity in one place to be involved in those things. So that's... we promise to keep in touch with the social justice team about the details of when that's coming down. Um, my clinic, we can use volunteers there. If you're interested <laughs> in volunteering at our clinic, people who just can help refugees get from our clinic down to the lab to pick up their medications, um, go through a stack of mail that they bring in with them. If you're interested in that, you can talk to me. Um, more big picture, though, Catholic Family Center has long-term volunteers that they're involved in. And if that is something that there is enough interest here at Artisan for, Catholic Family Center would actually come in and they would do a training, kind of a mm. cultural orientation for uh, working with refugees. One of the things a lot of churches do is family sponsorship. Um, and this could be done like a greenhouse or a group of individuals or families. And um, most of the time this is done with newly arriving refugees. And they come alongside and they help with learning English, navigating the bus system, getting to medical appointments. Um, and I, I think there's a definite need for that for families that are already established here in Rochester as well. So if there's enough interest of groups, uh, we, can, we can certainly get Catholic Family Center to come in and and give an orientation. It, sometimes it does involve a background check as well, uh, if you're going to be very involved with it. Um, but, you know, it, it could just be an informative meeting as well about things that you can do in and through Catholic Family Center. Wow. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. I, I don't want to speak on behalf of the congregation yet, but I think, yes, we should do that. Okay. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, how many people would come to something like that if we had an opportunity to do that? And how many people would invite a friend who's not part of our to come to do that? Listen, little, uh, excuse me just for a second. Um, pastors talk all the time about invite your friends to church, invite your friends to church, invite your friends to church, invite your friends to church. Like we've got to get them saved, get them saved, get them saved, get them saved, right? How about invite your friends to be part of the justice work that you're doing through your church? <laughs> that would be, uh, that, I mean, that's an easier sell anyway, isn't it? All right. Yeah. Thanks for hanging on there. <laughs> and of course, the other practical way is equipping the people who are already doing this work, who are mm -hmm. trained, who are case managers, who are about to lose their jobs. I'm not sure we can take an Instagram selfie while we're doing that, though, so I'm probably... <laughs> Far less glorious, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Please go on. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm such so, a we talked about Catholic Family Center as well, who is the hub, who is doing a lot of the work, and... Um, 
a lot of these case managers are refugees themselves mm. who are here and who have been doing this work for a long time, who know a lot more about how to help refugees navigate the system and become acculturated and self-sufficient than you or I do, no matter how many orientation programs we go through. Sure. So I see one of the easiest and most practical ways for us to, to get involved is to help fund a case manager at Catholic Family Center, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, they're, they're obviously losing, I don't know what percentage that is, but six of their case managers right now. If we, as uh, a capital C church here in Rochester and individuals, could raise enough money to help preserve one of those positions, I think that would be a phenomenal contribution to uh, the refugee community here. So um, there is lots of hands-on work that we could get involved in, but what, what I'm hearing you say is that money actually is one of those cases where money really does potentially solve part of a problem. It makes a difference. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, this is one of the less glorious things. People would love to see, you know, I bought a turkey and I fed that refugee with, with, this, with this turkey. Or to okay. say, you know, that, like you said, that Instagram selfie of this is me with a refugee doing some work. But much more practically and much more effective giving money to Catholic Family Center. And right now in the community, there are a lot of refugee, or a lot of volunteers who are coming out of their woodwork. I'm not sure how long that momentum is going to last. Sure. Um, Right now, there is an incredible need for, for donations to Catholic Family Center. Yeah. And uh, just to, to put a number, so we know kind of what we're talking about, to fund a full-time position case manager at Catholic Family Center with benefits is about $64,000 a year. Hmm. Okay. And um, so if we were to collect some money and donate to Catholic Family Center, it would go directly to refugee services. Yeah. It's not going to go to any other thing. They're not going to be pay some CEO or something like that, right? Okay. So, um, because uh, David and Hannah shared this with us in the middle of the week, and we knew immediately that we were going to have them here today, and, that, and we knew that we were going to ask you to give money toward this, um, we set up a way to do this. Um, so, we... Uh, we have made a, a special fund in the artisan giving interface that uh, goes directly to refugee support. And we're taking, uh, in a minute I'll tell you what you can do to, to be part of this, but we're going to be collecting money for this reason. Every dime that comes in marked refugee support will go directly to Catholic Family Center. And as David just said, will go directly to refugee services. Um, and uh, that is a a big part of what we want to do. Now, we knew that we were going to do this today, and so what, what we did is we had our leadership team give early during the week. We had our social justice team, we made them aware of this opportunity and had them give already this week. Some of your greenhouses, your small groups, heard this call this week, and you've given already this week. Before our service started today, Artisan Church has already raised $1,700 uh, for refugee support um, that's going to go directly to Catholic Family Center. And that's before we made any public announcement at all. That's before we announced it in church, and that's before all of you went home from church today and put on Facebook, 
My church is raising money for refugee support. Every dime of it will go directly to refugee support. Here's how you can give, and all of you give, and all of your friends give. I can't wait to see what we, what we can do here as a church. One thing that has always been true of artists and church is that you are a very, very generous group of people. Um, and I, I have no reason to think that, that we will not see that continue through this. We already have. So as you see on the screen here, if you are an old-fashioned person, want to give by check, you can do that. Write it out to Artisan Church, market refugee support on the memo line. We'll account for that accordingly. If you give online already, you can go home to your computer thing with the actual physical keyboard on it and tap away, log in, give. You can drop down the fund to make it, say, refugee support. But the easiest and fastest and most immediate way, the way I'm going to ask you to do it right now, if you have a mobile phone, is to use mobile giving. All right? And I'm going to tell you how to do that in a second. But when we set up our mobile giving, the, the big fancy company in California that we set it up with made a video for us, which we were not going to show to you because it's slightly tacky. But now we're going to show it to you because this is important enough. Uh, and so uh, go ahead and roll that tape. <laughs> Fancy, right? So um, the details here on the screen, you can also use the Artisan Church app. If you haven't downloaded it, you can go and download it and just tap give. But you can text the word artisan to 77977, and it will send you back a link. And it really is very simple to do. So if you take your phone out right now and uh, text artisan to 77977, if you have one of the fancy mobile phones that many slash most of us have. Um, now, you can, of course, use this to do your regular giving if you want to. We're going to take our regular offering later. You can do it that way too. Um, but right now, I really want us to care most about this, um, this matter at hand. And once you're in the, uh, the giving interface, it's very easy to tap down. You just put in your amount. You change it to say refugee support. And then it's going to ask you for a debit card number. Um, some phones, you can even like, scan your debit card. You'll be in and out. It's, there's probably a confirmation code thing. It's been a while since I set mine up. But... Um, I'm one, I want to encourage you to do this right now while it's heavy on your heart. Don't wait until you get home because what happens when you wait until you get home is this. You forget um, to do it at all. You forget uh, what Hannah and David look like and you forget the stories that they just told and you forget the fact that um, how much was it that we wanted raised to support one? How many did they lose? And you forget and you forget and you forget. Okay. Right now is the time to do this. So go ahead and do it. <laughs> um, is there anything that you two would like to add? Um, anything else so, you'd like to say? Um, just as a point of encouragement, a refugee client that I was working with, I know we're feeling disrupted in spirit and, and things are really shaken up. Um, and I, kind of, I expressed a little bit of that to her, and she said, well, we survived the camps and the torture, and we'll get through this too. And so that was <laughs> really good perspective for me. Wow. Um, and also... Um, just that the work of justice and, you know, and God's work has, in the world has been going on a long time and in all parts of the world before you know, we came on the scene or realized we should care. And so that's another encouraging thought that um, this is just a way 
um, an on-ramp the social justice team had expressed to us um, that we can get on uh, what's already happening and um, be part of God's heart for what's already going on. Yeah, that is such an important point. Um, that the work has been going on, it will continue to go on. It is not that we're saving the world, but it's, it's our privilege to be part of what's already happening. Lessa, did you want to ask a question? I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so here's what I wanted to say. A lot of us like to talk the talk, and I'm asking you to walk the walk right now. Okay? So for every relative on whose Facebook status you have left an insulting comment, <laughs> that's $50. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, I know, $10. Let's go with $10. Maybe a dollar. <laughs> Some of you need to go to a dollar. <laughs> I'm not, I'm joking about all that stuff, right? But I'm not joking about the fact that if you have not been uh, able to shut up, (laughs) I want you to put up now. I'm serious. Talking the talk is is for garbage people. Don't do that. Like, make a difference in the world. (laughs) Of course, we have to be prophetic and all those things, right? (laughs) But this is a chance for you to put your money where your mouth is. In all seriousness, from the bottom of my heart, uh, and, and with nothing but love for all of you, no matter whose Facebook wall you've written on, walk the walk. Let's make a difference. Let's do this thing. All right? Thank you. Thank you. My goodness, will you say thank you to David and Hannah? All right. Well, they're going to be here for our next service, too, and share this with uh, the 11 o'clock folks. So if you have artisan friends who um, you suspect might be kept away by the snow that's about to hit us, supposedly, send them a message, man. Tell them that they don't want to miss this in the next service. And if you have friends outside of artisan who you know would be down with this kind of work, even though they're not churchy people, send them a text and say, hey, you've got to know what this is, what's going on at artisan. I will go back to the service with you and um, sit with you so that you can hear that, all right? Lots of ways to uh, spread the effect of this. So, um, Now it's my great privilege as your pastor to invite you to the table of the Lord. We talk about communion in a lot of ways at Artisan, but I think um, it's such a beautiful thing that Jesus instituted this sacrament over a meal. We're very formal about it in some churches more than others, but it's a very formal kind of ritualized thing. But with Jesus and the disciples, it was just they were having dinner together. And Jesus said, look at this food on the table. This is, this is, that's, that's my body. And when you break the bread, that's what's going to happen to my body. Look at this cup of wine. This is, this, this is like the blood that I'm about to pour out of my own physical body for the forgiveness of sins. And so I want you to remember every time you come together for dinner, look at the bread and look at the wine. That's me. And when you eat it, you're basically proclaiming my death until I return. That's what Jesus said. And so we have this formal thing of dipping the bread in the cups and things like that. But sometimes the way we talk about it is this. If Jesus were here with you, inviting you to dinner, and you would say, yes, I'd like to have dinner with you, Jesus, then this is for you, right? You don't have to have, like, all the boxes checked off. You don't have to have all of your stuff together perfectly. Uh, If you love Jesus and want to walk in his way, this is him offering himself to you. And so 
um, I offer it to you now on his behalf. We have a member of the prayer team who will be at the back of the room there who would be happy to pray with you in person if you'd like to receive prayer. Um, it's always okay simply to sit and observe and, and meditate, whatever would be work, working best for you right now. But if God is stirring in your heart to do any of those things, to respond in any of these ways, I encourage you, listen and respond. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the ways that you love the world and for the privilege of being part of loving the world that you made. Show us new ways all the time that we can carry your love beyond our places of comfort to people who need it desperately, to people who uh, we think of as foreign or even enemies. Help us to walk in the call of your Son, Jesus Christ, who loved his enemies to the point of death and called us to do the same. We pray a special blessing on the offering that's being given in this time, that it would be uh, a, a wellspring of generosity and would make a big difference in the life of um, people made in your image who are suffering now and who need help. May we know you. May, you. may we know you to be real in the bread and the wine and in prayer. Make yourself known to us. Fill us with your love and your spirit so that we can carry it out of this place. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our table's open now. Come, if you will, and we'll continue to worship in song as well. Um, respond to God's spirit. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.